Hey everyone, and welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, a podcast for artists who are ready to reach greater heights in their art careers. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, founder of Visionary Art Collective and New Visionary Magazine. Join me for inspiring conversations with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. Let's jump in. Hey everyone, and welcome back. Today we are chatting with artists and educators Grace Lang and Ramiro Devaro Comas, and they are the creators of Super Stories based in the Hudson Valley of New York. Welcome, Grace, and welcome, Ramiro. Hi. Hello, hello. Hey, I'm so happy to have you guys on the podcast today, and I cannot wait to share your journeys and all the amazing work you are doing with our audience. Uh, so thank you for joining me. And I was thinking we could start by just diving in and talking a little bit about your journey as artists first, and then we can kind of talk about all this amazing work you're doing for the community. So I'd love to hear from each of you. How did your journey, your journeys begin as artists? Were you always creative? What kind of work do you do? Tell us all the things. I would say that I started uh, as an artist or creating when I was very, very young, like most kids, drawing on notebooks and pen and you know little pads of paper and stuff. Um, I used drawing uh, to make friends as an immigrant, as a person moving from country to country. So I just used it almost as like a tool of communication and a way of just seeing, you know, how other kids responded to it and then trying to become friends and stuff. So it's always been a, a mode of communication for me. And as I grew up, I started taking it more seriously. And I would say that uh, in after I graduated from college, I studied hospitality tours and management. After I graduated from college is when I actually realized that uh, you could be an artist. Um, I still had that, that deep sense of wanting to create, but I just didn't know how or that you could have a life like this. Um, so I was always showing and uh, most of my work when I was painting was really influenced by skateboard graphics, comic books, and a lot of cartoons and a lot of kind of not like street art, but stuff that I would see on the street, you know, and eventually I was able to kind of start forming a style of work. Uh, of course, I was after many years of painting um, and traveling to Europe for a few artist residency programs. And that was in about 2012. From that moment on, I fell in love with public art and with painting large scale murals. And I continued or I started a journey in like 2012, 2013 of starting to paint big murals. And of course that takes a lot of time. Uh, and that takes a lot of uh, free walls and, uh, you know, just messing around with stuff and just totally ruining walls sometimes with your paintings, but it is what it is. And, um, yeah. And that kind of led me to where we are here today. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, I think just like Ramiro and like, as you said, most artists um, have been making art their whole lives. I think being an artist was has been part of my identity since I was very little. Um, I was really encouraged to be an artist. Both my parents are creative. So um, I was lucky to be like very embraced as an artist. And it, even as a young age, kind of became my role within my family to be the artist who, you know, makes the place cards or the, the 
various cards or flyers or all of those funny little jobs that even from a young age made me feel like I could take myself seriously as an artist. You know, I, I still remember the first piece of art I made that my sister, who's nine years older than me, framed and put in her house. And it made me feel so good and powerful. And to this day, like I go through her house and every room has something I've made in it. Some of it, which is from, you know, eighth grade. Um, so I, I did go to art school. I studied illustration at Parsons. Um, my work is very kind of narrative based, very figurative, but not realistic. Um, like Ramir, I'm also influenced by cartoons. You know, I grew up watching anime and watching a lot of Nickelodeon and, um, reading a lot of like fantasy and science fiction literature. So I really love to kind of create worlds within my art. And um, for all of my 20s, the work I was making was very focused on these so- sort of female um, warrior characters who were these visual manifestations of a lot of complicated feelings I was having, like most people in their 20s do. A lot of like women kind of reaching inside of themselves and pulling demons out and feeling, you know, this sort of cartoon violence that wasn't really scary, but was my hope, um, or like my, it was representing my desire to like really manifest how I was feeling about like ripping things out of myself. Um, and I also have like a a long relationship with physical pain. I had a big spine surgery as a kid. So for me, art has always been a tool to communicate really feelings that go beyond words. Um, And that has really informed my practice as an art teacher. Like my dream is not really to teach kids how to master art skills, but just to teach them how to use art as a tool to, um, like Ramiro, communicate um, and communicate the deep, dark stuff that you can't always articulate. I I took some time kind of away from my personal artwork because I was feeling a little bit stuck. I feel like um, being an artist right now, or at least kind of the realm of art I was working in, it's very encouraged to kind of brand yourself and stick with a voice. And I I did that well. And then I was very bored. And I felt sort of stifled. And I was really confused about why I was unhappy because making art is my favorite thing. And I realized it was because I didn't feel free to experiment. And um, I wanted to try something different. I started teaching and I really pulled back from making my own work. And the work I was making for many years was just the experiments I was doing to lesson plan. And that really allowed me to try new materials and give myself freedom. And now I'm finally at a place where that's starting to inform the work I want to make again. And it's much more crafty. It's definitely influenced by like the voices and attitudes of children. And I feel like I'm sort of in a place right now where I'm leaving behind some elements of my older work um, and it finally excited to start creating some new things again. That's so beautiful. And I want to thank you both for sharing that because I think that, you know, your journeys as artists probably impact the work you are doing in education and community building so much. Um, And Grace, I think it's such an important point that you bring up with, you know, this idea that we need to really kind of pigeonhole ourselves into a kind of style or technique. And I do understand that to an extent, but I think it can also feel really limiting. I have experienced it firsthand. So many artists that I know and have worked with have also had that feeling. And so I love that you are finding ways to branch out. And I think that teaching is such a beautiful way to do that because you're, you know, cultivating this um, sense of like experimentation and, and exploration with the kids. And it's kind of something that will start to like rub off on you as well. I wanted to ask you both how and and when did you start to become interested in working with kids and 
what has, I'm sure you both have different experiences, but Ramiro, I'll start with you. What has been your uh, experience working with kids and what, what do you love about it? Sure. Um, my main experience with kids was teaching skateboarding. I, when I was 18 years old, I started a skateboard camp at the, the indoor sports facility I was working at. Um, and we would build ramps and teach the kids how to skate. And I did that for about eight years, um, or, you know, on and off on the summers, eight years ish. Most of my experience, like I yeah, with kids is through skateboarding. I, what, what skateboarding has done for me is has given me, uh, my life, um, has shown me, you know, if you fall, you get back up repetition, just being able to communicate again with other people. Skateboarding is intergenerational. So you go to a skate park and you're hanging out with a 12 year old and a 50 year old. And that style of learning, uh, for me was, was really, really important. And something that, um, you know, I realized from skateboarding and from teaching was that first you develop a discipline on how to do it. Then that becomes a habit. And then that just becomes your intuition. Um, and so, so doing that, um, with kids also kind of just, just snowballed into being able to teach our, or some of these other workshops that we do. I don't claim to be a teacher or to know as much as some of these amazing teachers that we have in public school every single day do, but that is the vehicle that I use to communicate with kids and to teach them other life lessons is skateboarding. Amazing. And I think to your point, there are so many impactful ways we can work with kids outside of, you know, traditional teaching and, and we can touch their lives in so many other ways. But I think that's so cool too, what you said about like skateboarding actually instills these principles into you. Like, I think that's so beautiful. And I actually never really thought about that, which is really cool. Yeah. I love that Ramiro. I hadn't thought about that either. It's like you kind of skateboarding taught you discipline that you then have brought into your art. Cause I mean, I, Ramiro and I live together and something I admire about Ramiro is he, um, he doesn't just paint when he feels like it. He's like, no, I'm painting every day in the morning. I'm, he's really great with discipline and it's cool to think about how that's an extension of your, your practice as a skateboarder. But for me, I did not grow up spending time with kids. I was never a babysitter or anything like that. Um, my love for children really um, emerged when I be first became an aunt um, when my sister had her children and now both of my brothers have children as well. So I have like a pretty big family, but spending time with my uh, young niece and nephew, I naturally just started kind of making art with them as a way to entertain them. And then I realized I really could speak the language of children. And I found that some of the kind of social anxiety I sometimes have talking to adults, especially like adults in the art world, where you're kind of trying to maybe prove something or, or get something or wondering if they want to get something from you. There's a lot of complicated things. None of that really exists when you're um, communicating with children. And um, I found that I had a really natural way of being with kids and I just genuinely enjoy it. They're such wonderful weirdos. Their brains are so unlike ours and it kind of opened something in me that I didn't really expect. And I thought, oh, maybe it's just my niece and nephew that I love spending time with. But then as I started doing some little workshops, I realized it really does extend beyond that. And um, I, I love children and feel so energized by them. And I mean, one thing I love about kids is so many of them have this very like inflated self of a uh, sense of self-confidence that like you kind of want to grab onto like everything they make, they're so proud of and they think it's so great. And uh, that is a feeling I've really struggled to have as an artist, you know, I'm, I'm very judgmental 
And I, I definitely don't celebrate myself as much as I would like to. A big part of my desire to work with kids kind of came out of the feeling I was describing where I started feeling a little unhappy making art. And um, some something I was feeling was that I wasn't being very useful to my community. And that isn't to say I don't think art is useful. I think it absolutely is. I personally just started feeling like me being in my studio every day wasn't like utilizing all I had to offer to the world. I wanted to find a way of being useful that was still still art adjacent, but not me making my artwork. And um, it kind of clicked when I began working with kids. And I realized just the beautiful ripple effects you can have if you help one child. Um, and especially, you know, the world today is is scary and it feels really threatening. And I think um, any chance we have to feel like we are helping kids become like powerful, compassionate, empathetic beings that will then grow up and run our world is um, like the most powerful thing we can do, right? Absolutely. And I just love hearing you talk about it because I can hear how passionate and excited you are in just your voice. And I agree. I think there's so much that we can learn from kids. And that's something that as adults, like maybe we don't always think, like we we tend to think we know the answers and we can teach kids. But I always felt like, and I continue to feel like teaching is learning. You know, as you're teaching, you are also learning in, in return. And uh, actually, when you were talking, it made me think of one of the first kids I ever taught when she was like seven or eight, she introduced herself as an author and an illustrator. And, and it was amazing. And it's like this reminder that, oh my goodness, we also need to present ourselves with this kind of certainty and enthusiasm that we tend to lose as we get into our teen years or beyond. And um, I can tell that you're both very, you know, genuine and like you just love love the work so much and so it kind of leads me to my next question which is how did super stories begin i'm so excited to learn about it and all the amazing work you're doing for your community um and how how did it begin and how did it evolve i mean so many questions but i will let you just jump right in super stories really kind of evolved out of our mutual um passion for and commitment to working with kids, working with our community and giving kids opportunities that they weren't finding elsewhere. You know, I never want to step on toes and do things that, you know, kids are already having a chance to do, especially because we're still relatively new to our area. We've been here about three years. Much of that was during COVID. So Ramiro and I, um, we work together really well, but we, I'm not really someone who like collaborates in my artwork, or at least not in the past. I think I would like to see more of that in the future. But I wanted to find a way to collaborate with Ramiro, maybe that wasn't our artwork, but was sort of util utilizing the skills we share and then the skills we have independently. And so we did a couple of sort of random one-off workshops. We did a, a, an awesome community mural with a group in the Bronx. And that was kind of when it clicked. And I realized that we could work really well together because we have just a foundation of mutual respect. And um, I think we are pretty good at kind of feeding off of each other's energy and like picking up where the other one is leaving off in, in teaching situations. So the more we did some kind of random workshops, we decided, why don't we formalize this and make it a real, a real thing. And that is kind of where the idea for super stories came from. And the idea was, you know, Ramiro and I, um, a big part of our relationship came from working together and painting murals. So we both have experienced the 
the awesome power of painting huge on a wall and, you know, seeing your name take up space in that way. And so the idea of giving kids that opportunity felt really powerful to both of us. And we wanted to do something that encouraged kids to safely and responsibly use spray paint to see all the potential avenues an art career could take you in. Um, So the initial idea was kind of public art based, but it has really branched out into a lot of different things where we feel like we can really just respond to what a community wants and needs. So sometimes it has been skateboard uh, classes. It's been ramp and DIY skate park building classes where we actually like teach kids about tools. We've done woodcuts and sign painting and sculpture and um, something I challenge myself to as an art teacher is not to repeat projects that often. And so I think we've kind of taken that attitude into super stories where um, if we can really come up with a new project for every organization we work with or a new way of doing an old project that actually responds to what they want and need rather than us just assuming we know what they want. Um, That's been what is so fun for us because it's really, it's like creative problem solving, right? Like you, there's no formula that I think is going to work for every single group of people. So I really enjoy just like sort of the brainstorm sessions Ramiro and I have where we think through ideas and feed off each other. And yeah, Ramiro, do you want to kind of expand on what I've said? I don't really know what else to say. Everything you've said is correct. That is how, you know, we have just wanted to bring more to the community. I think both of us, especially myself felt like, you know, murals in the public artwork that I'm doing is cool, but who cares? <laughs> like, you know, like not that who cares, but really more like, you know, what would be more impactful than me painting a crocodile on this wall is me helping all these students paint their crocodile on this wall. And to me, I just feel that I feel that with super stories, we're just able to, like Grace said, just respond, you know, just respond to what people want. And a lot of our programs and projects have actually been responses to what our partner organization, if we partner up with a different organization, what they want. And so they'll say something like maybe mural or maybe a workshop with mask making or maybe whatever it is, skateboarding. And then we will respond to that because together, both of us have a a vast set of different skills that complement each other. Um, also, we can do all of it in Spanish. Um, so that has really, I think, the launch of the organization and all the 20 projects we have done since February 2022. Um, we're doing our 21st project on Saturday. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's been successful because we're just responding to what people want. We are not going to tell people, hey, this is what we have, join or not join. We're just always kind of listening. And as artists, we're able to be flexible and versatile to most of the things that that people ask. And if not, our values are that we should and will hire an artist who may be able to do that. So we don't know how to weld, but if there is an artist around here that knows how to weld in a group of people and kids who would like to learn how to weld into a welding workshop, well, we will pay them and we will hire them and we will do whatever we got to do to find that artist and that person to support that community. Yeah. I was just talking to someone today who is a silkscreen artist who was like, would you ever be open to like me leading a screen printing class for kids? I was like, that's my dream. Cause I don't know how to do that. Yeah. That is another big part of our mission. Like Ramiro said is um, giving other artists opportunities to teach, especially artists who maybe don't get a lot of opportunities to, to teach and just want to try it out. 
It's so cool. Like I just, I love hearing about it and learning more about it because it's so impactful. Like you're both out there doing real work to support the communities. And I think even thinking about the name that you chose, Super Stories, I feel like speaks to how you are amplifying the stories of these communities and like really shining a light on that, which is such a beautiful and powerful thing. And Grace, I think you said to me, and this is also kind of what Ramiro was touching on just now, but I think you said to me a while ago uh, something about how, you know, when you, like, yes, you can go put graffiti on a wall. I mean, this is essentially what Ramiro was talking about just now, but it can feel very self-serving. Whereas now you're taking the same principle of putting graffiti on a wall or whatever it might be, but you're doing it in a way that is actually really uplifting the children and, you know, whoever's involved in that. And um, it's it's just such a beautiful thing. I, I I had so many questions came up as you were chatting because I just want to learn even more. And one question that I have is, how do you like find out what are communities approaching you? Um, how are you connecting with these different communities and kind of tapping into what they need? Like, what is your process? That's a really good question. I mean. I think some of it is organic. You know, I teach part-time at a sculpture park locally. So I meet a lot of parents, a lot of whom are like kind of in the art world or in creative fields and want their kids to have more opportunities. Um, word of mouth. But Ramiro also has a really great practice as a as an artist of applying to things, right? Just all the open calls. So I think he really is the one who um, could speak more to this about just just like kind of cold emailing organizations, right? Yeah. I mean, I think for me also, it has been through the skate park. I'll be at a skate park doing a little lesson with someone, more parents show up and they're like, please take my kid, get him out of here. Uh, go do, go skate, go do, please, please give me a break. But really it's been, um, it's been just creating community. And by that, I mean, it's something that I, I just love doing. I think it's probably coming from like my business school background, but I love to go walk in a town and go into every business and talk to every person, introduce myself, tell them what we're doing, what we can offer, um, ask them questions about what things do you find that are lacking in like the art world or maybe some stuff, uh, you know, some programming for your kids. Sometimes they'll say things that I have no possible way of helping. Like we have a huge transportation issue in Hudson for youth. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what to do, but I'm like, well, we could do a workshop about talking about that or making art about that, you know? Um, so for me, it's really just finding, using that, uh, mentality of reaching out to as many people as possible to also going a little bit into like business talk, but to also learn your market, right? Like the only reason why we know that there aren't free, there aren't uh, spray paint workshops. The only reason we know there really aren't like free skateboard lessons or ramp building classes is because we have gone to all of these organizations and we've talked to all of them and, and just introduced ourselves and said, Hey, this is what we do. We're here. We would love to collaborate with you in any way possible. And that allows them to say, well, what would we like to do? And they'll say five or six things. And then we'll kind of, you know, break it down to the things that we're able to offer. But it's always about talking to your neighbor. 
You know, uh, that's another thing about New York City is that the reason why I survived or why I met so many people and met so many galleries was because I was talking to my neighbors and I was I was just being open and vulnerable to people and telling them, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I can do. Let's do something together as a community. And the more that I have done that and we have done this together, the more positive responses we get. Um, and of course, that comes with pro being professional as well with all of the ways that we reach out to people and we are, but it's just about creating community, talking to your neighbor and leaving all of the baggage behind, no matter what it is, and just saying, yes, we are here for the community. Yeah, I think it's not unlike creating a career for yourself as an artist where like there's a lot of it is just making the work and putting it in front of people and hoping they like it and trying your hardest not to get discouraged if they don't. And the more you do that, the more you just practice um, creating and exposing it to people in, in whatever way you can find, then people do start coming to you. But it's you can't just expect people to start coming to you. You're like, I have a great idea. Everyone's going to want to be part of this. You kind of have to prove yourself, right? So that's why so many of our early projects were starting small with people we know for not very much money because we felt it's almost like building a portfolio, right? So I, I think it's, we're finally at a point where people are starting to reach out to us, but we're never going to stop also just directly reaching out to people that we want to work with. Absolutely. And I think that like you're both saying, it's, it's so true. Like as artists, we get so used to putting ourselves out there over and over again. And really this is, you know, not much different, but you have both had so much amazing traction with super stories so far. And um, another question that came up as you were kind of describing it um, is what have what has been some of your favorite projects that you've done, workshops that you've taught? Like, I would love to hear about some of those. I mean, I can talk about my favorite, I think, transitioning from like painting my own murals into painting a collaborative mural that tells the story of the school with grace. Um, I, and, and, and this is this is. While we all do work, it is always also, it comes together as a community. Even though we might have these ideas, we can't get anywhere if someone doesn't support us or someone doesn't fund us. And so I was lucky enough and privileged enough to be able to have the opportunity to get a grant from the Art Center of the Capital Region in Troy and to work with Troy School 2, which was an elementary school. Working with the elementary school, we created a style where we were able to go into the classroom, sit down with the kids, have them all make amazing drawings. And we're talking about like, you know, elementary school kids um, who, as Grace was saying, they're so confident in their rabbit that they just drew, you know, and we were actually taking those drawings that they made, not changing really much about them and painting them in large scale format. And we did an entire wall in large scale format like that, where once we, once we painted them, I think it really, at the same time, everyone was like, whoa, because the power and energy that a child's drawing has when painted massive on the side of a building is at least for me, it just goes beyond any other thing that I've ever seen. It makes me instantly happy um, because it's just a hand that you never see respected on a wall. It's just a raw, unfiltered, that is the kid's drawing of that rabbit. So that 
project working at Tro- in Troy with those students really opened our minds to how to be able to tell other school stories in like the most legitimate way by painting the kids' paintings up on the walls and also having a day or a couple of days for the community and those same kids to actually come and help and paint their own paintings on the wall. I mean, I think for me, the the project that stands out the most is our most recent, like a long kind of big project. And it was the same uh, the same sort of format as the one we did in Troy, which was, you know, translating students' artwork onto the wall, but it was in a uh, middle school in Vermont. And we actually were there for the whole week. We were in the school every single day for the whole school day and, and passed it. And we had um, two days of workshops with the students and, you know, middle schoolers, it's a complicated age because you're, you're still kids, but they're also starting to experience a lot of complicated, big, scary feelings. And I, you know, talked about what I, what I said earlier, which is the way art has helped me communicate complicated feelings. And, um, I, you know, volunteer for the art therapy project in New York. I am not an art therapist, but I think the way I think about teaching is informed by some of that understanding, which is, you know, what art therapy is, is when you don't have words for something, you can create art and then you can talk about the art and that can give you a language to talk about something that you're unable to talk about. And I said that to these group of middle schoolers and many kids started making art about um, a loss they they suffered the year before of a student, um, a suicide. And, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking to think of someone in middle school going through that, but it was really powerful to see all of these students, a lot of which I don't think were really artists or called themselves artists doing this. And um, we both felt incredibly honored to be able to, put that image on the wall and give these students a place to honor their friend um, and other, other messages, sexual assault and gender equality, all of these really big topics that um, they were starting to think about and find a way to put it on a wall that just is a reminder that, you know, their voice matters and that people are valuing what they have to say. And just simply the act of being in the school every day and having all these students come by and be like, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened here. Or like, can we, can I just stay here for this whole class? I just want to talk to you. It, um, I've never worked in a school before. Um, so that was such a gratifying experience. And it was, I think some of the hardest physical work I've done very long days. I kind of wish we could have just stayed longer because it, it felt so, so impactful. Like, I think it had as big an impact on on me as it did on the school. And then we also were able to transform, like, three different areas within the school just covered in giant student artwork. It's amazing. Like, even just hearing you describe it, it's so beautiful. I, I think the way that you are talking to kids and kind of framing it as, hey, even if you don't draw or paint or make art on a, often, it is a way for you to process and to break down some of these really dense and heavy things and experiences that you've had, it's like it makes it accessible for them. Mm-hmm. It is a visual language. Mm-hmm. And I just love that so much. Um, that was a very important project for myself as well. And you could just see like, you could see the kids that that were always in the hallway that would say, I want to go to the bathroom and then would just kind of wander around the school. And those kids naturally would wander around the school and then just come and hang out with us. And when a teacher would come and say, hey, please get back in a class or whatever, we just kind of knew that it was probably better for that kid 
student to stay with us for a little bit. Uh, you know, to, they were probably mad or there was something going on just to hang out, do a little bit of painting and then go back to class. And, um, yeah, you could just see that they hadn't had that kind of opportunity because the school is, you know, they're strapped for cash and they had so many kids They're in rural Vermont. Um, so it's, it's hard for them to, to have all of those opportunities. But like Grace said, we had kids with us every single day that net did not want to leave, did not want us to leave. And, you know, hopefully that showed the community and the teachers and the people there that they just need more ways to express themselves. You know, um, there was one kid that I saw that was like punching other kids and kind of being a bully and, you know, but not like in a mean way, but just really roughhousing. And he had drawn a crown and no, he, he was like, ah, whatever, here you go. And then we just painted the crown up there because it fit in where we needed it to fit. And I went up to him. And I said, hey, we painted your crown up there. So you're an artist now. And he looked at it and he was like, whoa. Wow. Thank you so much. You know, and I'm not sure that really anyone was listening to this guy because, you know, he was just throwing other kids around and we, you know, we just put it up there and it's a small thing, but, you know, it meant a lot to him. And I think that, yeah, these projects with kids, especially now going through all of the things that they're going through with social media and this and that, it's just a nice, easy, normal way to, you know, get it all out. Absolutely. And it's so powerful. And yeah, I can't even imagine being a child or a teenager and, you know, having gone through almost three years of a pandemic and social media, which I think is just so unhealthy for kids, but like all of these things that they're dealing with. Um, I wanted to ask you, the work you're doing is so impactful. How has it impacted both of you on a personal level? I think it's built a lot of confidence for me. I think for most of my life, um, the thing I knew I could do was art. And even though there were times I struggled with confidence about my art, I was generally pretty, felt pretty good about that. And um, part of deciding to like teach and pivot came from me wondering what else I might be good at and realizing that I can speak the language of children and I mean, one big thing is I've always struggled with any kind of public speaking, but once you become an, a teacher, right, that's public speaking, you're standing in front of a group of kids you've never met and you are kind of trying to command the room. And, you know, since I began teaching, I've had a couple more opportunities to, to speak to bigger groups of adults. And I have found I'm so much more confident and I feel so much more secure um, speaking to people. I also think I mean, you said something like this earlier, Victoria, like teaching is learning. I think the best way to kind of um, investigate your own knowledge is to try to teach it to somebody. And you, and it's what's so fun about like, especially small kids is realizing how many things you know how to do that you take for granted, like using scissors, right? Or using a ruler and, and drawing a straight line. These things that don't even seem like skills to us. Once you start working with kids and you're trying to articulate how to um, like break a, a seemingly simple process down into steps for kids, I think it really helps you um, understand those things better. And it also just makes you realize like how much you know. And that, I don't know, for me, that helps me feel kind of proud of myself when I realize like, oh, I do know how to do that, you know? Uh, I, I would agree with Grace. And I mean, for me, it's two words. It's meaning and purpose, um, because working with young people in communities, 
uh, has really given me much more of a purpose than than what I was doing before. You know, I love to paint my own stuff and I love to draw. But now when I go to a new city, I'm not like, where's the paint store? How do I paint? I don't care. I'm going to go shoot some photos, spend some time with Grace, walk around, see the city. Maybe I'll paint something. But um, it's it's really more just about how what can my impact be in this world? Because I think a lot of us find ourselves doing stuff, doing work, whatever it is, whether you're an artist or not, and just saying, what, what am I going to do? You know, what do I do? Why is my life here? What is the meaning of this? Especially a lot of people, I mean, the world after COVID, you know, everyone had to sit around with their own mind and say, what am I going to do for the world? And I think that that was a, a time where I really realized that I wanted to do this project with grace and that we had to find a way to be able to find meaning in the life that sometimes has no meaning. Right. Um, and to teach and to continue to have, uh, like almost not like a legacy, but like something that you've left behind, you know, um, something that is super impactful and kids come up and say, Oh, I remember you from this and that, or he taught me or she taught me how to paint a mural or they did this. They taught me how to use tools and stuff. That, that is why I do this. And now once you find a purpose or meaning, your life just becomes so much richer. And I'm not saying that my life is so much richer, but I, I, it is because of this, you know, and um, yeah, I'm just so grateful to be able to continue to do this and to be able to do this with grace and to have so many communities open up and, and let us in. Yeah, I would really agree with that. I think it's helped both of us feel like we are actually making a tangible difference in our community. I think so many of the problems in the world that adults are creating I think can be traced back to like the fact that we're all kind of scared little kids inside. And a lot of adults um, are still holding on to a lot of pain from childhood. And if we can do anything to help those kids now release some of that or understand that pain, pain is not the enemy. Life is pain. Teach kids how to verbalize and um, live with the, the complexities of being a person just makes me feel like hopeful, I think, for the future. Like maybe kids now will grow up and they won't make as big a mess as adults are making right now. No, I love that. And it is really cool, I think, to think about the impact that you might have, you know, on these kids. So many kids, like thinking about the kids you've already worked with, the communities you've already helped to support and that lasting impact that you are leaving. And I feel so inspired after chatting with you both, truly. Like, it actually is such a reminder to me of why, why I started working with kids. I have kind of transitioned uh, a little bit in terms of my career, but working with I always say that the time that I was teaching, I grew as a person more than any other time in my life. Like, I basically came out of my teaching experience a different and much better person. I mean, I think what's so cool about what you're doing is like that idea has informed what you're doing now for adults, yeah. the community you're creating for artists. In a way, it's not what you're doing, but like in a way, you're like that supportive art teacher for all these adults, <laughs> some of which are like very serious artists and some of which are more emerging or like just coming to like accept that part of their identity. It's like you're 
you're serving that role for, for them. And like, I'm sure it's so deeply informed by your, your and working with kids. It is. I actually, I say this all the time. I, my company VAC would not exist if I hadn't have worked with kids in a teaching capacity for, you know, seven, eight years. It just wouldn't even, that built the foundation. My whole approach to life and working with others is different. The way I communicate is different, but I'm so deeply inspired by the work that you are both doing. I'm like, beyond excited that I got to learn more today and I can't wait to continue uh, to follow you both. So I will include all of your information in the show notes um, so that our amazing listeners can follow along too. But I want to thank you both so much for joining me today. You're doing amazing work and I can't wait. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much, Victoria. And for podcast listeners, I just think it's important to point out, Victoria and I did take painting classes together in eighth grade, so. (laughs) We go way back. We go way back. We've been art (laughs) students together. Yes. And here we are helping, you know, future generations. Well, thank you both so much. Thank you everyone for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com slash magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to digital issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. 